I'm excited about the word today, y'all. So it might just blow the speakers. It might keep you low. Okay? All right. Everybody, we are here in Luke chapter 10. And we're going to begin with verse 25 through 37. If you allow me to. I know we just prayed, but there's not too many times we can go before the Lord, before the throne of grace. So if you allow me to, again, uh, just intro this word with prayer. Lord, we thank you that on this day you brought us together for such a time as this, for such a word as this, God, and that you are expanding our reach, God, uh, for people who want to hear from you in just the way that we have experienced you, God, here at The Way. And so, God, season everybody's hearts and minds, Lord. Lord, there's a reason why you have given others the unction to tune in today, whether it be on live stream, the podcast, God, uh, or for those who are in the building, God, Lord, they have ears to hear, Lord, and eyes to see you in different ways, Lord. So today, God, minister to us through this word, through a rhema word, God. I bless you right now, God, because I know that you already set us up, Lord, to be transformed and to see you in new ways. So, God, we give you license to move and operate on this day in Jesus' name. Amen. 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 So we're in Luke chapter 10, verses 25 through 37. Everybody there, please say amen. amen. All right, if you will follow along with me as I read, it begins. Uh, just then a lawyer stood up and to test Jesus. Teacher, he said, what must I do to inherit eternal life? He said to him, what is written in the law? What do you read there? He answered, you shall love the Lord your God with all your heart and with all your soul and with all your strength and with all your mind and your neighbor as yourself. And he said to him, you have given the right answer. Do this and you will live. But wanting to justify himself, he asked Jesus, and who is my neighbor? Jesus replied, a man was going down from Jerusalem to Jericho. I love how Jesus answers stuff. You know, he didn't give a flat answer. Let me tell you a story. You know? <laughs> it's like Sophia from the Golden Girls. <laughs> We're going to Sicily. All right, he said, a man was going down from Jerusalem to Jericho and fell into the hands of robbers who stripped him, beat him, and went away, leaving him half dead. Now by chance, a priest was going down that road, and when he saw him, he passed on by on the other side. But a Samaritan, while traveling, came near him, and when he saw him, he was moved with pity. He went to him and bandaged his wounds, having poured oil and wine on him. On them, excuse me. Then he put him on his own animal, brought him to an inn, and took care of him. The next day he took out two denarii, gave them to the innkeeper, and said, Take care of him, and when I come back, I will repay you whatever more you spend. Which of these three do you think was a neighbor to the man who fell into the hands of the robbers? He said, The one who showed him mercy. Jesus said to him, Go and do likewise. So ends the reading of the word of God. Amen. Amen. Y'all, let me draw your attention to verse 27. We're going to be working with that for the first part of today's message. Verse 27. He answered, you shall love the Lord your God with all your heart. That word there for heart, the Greek word cardia. Cardia. We know, of course, as in cardiac. Cardia. You shall love the Lord your God with all your heart. With the K, cardia, that's your character, inner self, will, intention. And with all of your soul. I'm trying to go slowly repeat things because church is our life class. So I know that none of you are taking notes. With all of your soul, that's your suke. You also know it as psyche, suke. But in the biblical sense, the Greek sense, it's the breath, the soul. And with all your strength, that's iskus. 
I-S-C-H-U-S, Iskus, that's your strength and your power. And with all your mind, that's Dianoia, understanding, intellect, mind, and your neighbor as yourself. Let's start with you shall love. Agapeis, agapeis, you shall love. You see, the first two times Jesus asked Peter if he loves him, he uses the word uh, that transliterates as agapas. It's the form of this word agape. We've always been told by preachers that the word agape means God's unconditional love. That's the most common understanding, correct? God's unconditional love. But after a deeper study of the word, it seems that there's more to that. It also has implications of a willful, reasoned, self-volitional type of love. We learn that this type of love is supposed to be reciprocated by us to God, and we're supposed to love each other in the same way. See, this love, this love, this love is reason, it's willful, it's a decision. I need some people who have loved and been in love to understand what I'm talking about. You know, in love is more... Uh, of a pulling in. It's more of a, I can't help it. I kind of just fell in. See, but when you're, when you love, you walk into it. Y'all know what I'm talking about. You've never been in love. You just kind of fell in love. That's why they call it father. It's unintentional. It's unexpected. But loving is intentional because you got to decide to love when you don't feel like it. So see, this is the agape is what they're talking about right here because it's not spelled agape as we are, we are accustomed to. There's an S-E-I-S on the end of that. So it's agape. It's an intentional love. It's an active love. It's an affectual love. Verse 27 says, he answered, you shall love the Lord your God with all your heart. That's your cardia, your character, inner self, will, intention. The cardia is the heart, the affectual center of our being our desire decisions that establish who we really are, our inner self. Do you love the Lord with intention? And see, I'm not just talking about God. Oh, I love God. I love God. You don't love God? <laughs> I'm talking about the aspect of God because there are different uses of the word Lord in the Bible. And actually, Lord often refers to law. It often refers to guidance. It often refers to the, uh, the workings of the universe as Lord, as your guidance. I like to call it, one of my, my um, sages calls it your internal guidance system. If I listen to the God within me, then there's a path that's laid out before me. There are, there are boundaries that are in place in my life. There's the fruit of the Spirit that come up in my life. And so I love it. I've learned to love the Lord. Let's say that. Because I loved God. And now the Lord, though, is a different thing. When we grow up, we don't always love the Lord. Let's just tell the truth because the Lord represents control. We love our parents, but we don't like that they, they, that they, they run our lives. And so we want to be grown so we can run our own lives. Only to realize that if you were raised in the, in the church and raised in the Lord, then it's just a passing over. It's like your parents pass the baton over to God. At 17 or 18, if you're really growing up, you way make a child. We passed that bad boy when you were about 12 or 13. And introduced you to the God that's going to govern, govern your life and guide you for the rest of your life. We as adults were, were forced to be obedient as children only to realize that we got to be obedient as adults. But not to necessarily the external God that everybody always, but the internal God. 
The God that talks to you in your mind and in your heart and in your spirit. And that's when people get uncomfortable because we like to put God in the clouds out there. But we all know, we're all beginning to realize, no, God is in here. Because when Jesus left, he said, I'm going to send a comforter. I'm going to send a Holy Spirit that will live inside of you, that will minister to you. Most of us don't hear the booming voice from the outside and in the clouds. It's inside. It's that God inside that you got to contend with when nobody, you know, well, this is, see that cardiac? Remember character, some of y'all were told this, my band director taught us this, character is what you do when nobody's watching. That's the God, that's the God that you end up having to hold, uh, have be accountable to. So do you love the Lord with intention? Even as things begin to operate and, and move in your life and you're being guided, do you look with intention towards the, to see the God in things? Are we at the point now in our growth where we intentionally look for the God in everything? And if I don't see God in it, then I'm getting out of it. I'm not just talking about your churchy holy God. I'm talking about the guidance of the Lord in your life. I pray that you get the word within the word. We're going to move on to the next word. Your car, see, because that cardia intention. I love the Lord with all of my heart, my will, my character, everything in my being. Verse 27 Went on to say, you shall love the Lord your, uh, God with all your heart and with all your soul. That word is suke. Like I said, we've been commonly pronouncing it psyche. Suke, the vital breath, breath of life, a person's distinct identity. Breath, life, soul, identity. Y'all, there's a debate within among theologians about the use of the word psyche or suke and zoe. So many times I think a lot of us thought Zoe was just a cute girl name. <laughs> Zoe is used over 150 times in the Bible in place of, as, as a love. You'll see love, but it's actually Zoe. And most theologians will have deduced that Zoe means eternal life. And suke is temporal life. Like the physical Tiffany Adams would represent my suke. And my spirit will represent Zoe. Z-O-E. I wonder if the people who named their children Zoe realize that you are naming your child eternal life. My God, my God. Now people will debate it and people will come back and forth, oh no, it don't mean that or whatever, but overwhelming majority of people have already determined and, and agreed upon that Zoe, the use of Zoe is, is eternal life, the use of suke is temporal life. And we tend to, y'all know I'm always here to show you a different way of looking at things. We tend to only focus on the Zoe and disregard the suke. See, but the suke, this life that I've been given as Tiffany Adams, the personality of Tiffany Adams, the, the knowledge and experience of Tiffany Adams has validity as well, and it is God as well. And guess what? God intended for you within your temporal, your suke being to live the fullness. There are many people who believe that we have, uh, we manifest physically over and over again, and that eternal, the spirit is internal. And do you think that God did not intend for you to have the fullest life in your physical existence. Chris, you are supposed to be the fullest version of Chris. From the day you're born until the day you, trans you transition. Religion has taught us how to suppress that person and call her flesh. And demonize that person. Okay, I, I get what you're saying. I, I get it. See, but the deeper understanding of that is God gave you a personality and God gave you circumstances. 
And the best witness to God is the fullest expression of who you are. Y'all know it's true because try as you might to suppress the core being of yourself. You have been, it's, it's tormenting. The more I try to deny who I really am, who God created me to be, the more I feel as though I'm having an identity crisis. Does that mean, Pastor, that you are amplifying flesh? That's going against everything that we've been taught. No, that's not what I'm saying. What I'm saying is that there are elements of your personality that God gave you that must be used, that have to be in the, God love you. Some of y'all love the ocean and you love the nature and you love the beach. And that's just a part of who you are. That's just a part of who you are. No different than your personality. For those of y'all, some of y'all show tough love and some of y'all are very touchy-feely, and, 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 and people have told you that you need to become a cookie-cutter Christian and, and take the edge off of this and, and, and stiffen up there and, and don't like that anymore. He's like, how can I do that and still be me? Because I'm not Nikki. Nikki's not me. I'm not Angela. Angela is not me. And so to say that there are sides of her that God doesn't like, and, and, but, but God created me, I can't help who I am. A person's just do you love you shall love the Lord with all of your soul all of your suke this isn't Jesus saying you may you should he said you shall in order to have eternal life you shall love the Lord with all of your soul with all of your being with all of your who you are your personality all of that all of your identity can you honestly say that right now in this place in life you are loving God with the fullness of your identity or are you still holding back part of yourself? He answered, you shall love the Lord your God with all of your heart, your character, inner self, will, intention, with all of your soul, your breath, the soul, and with all of your strength. We're going to spend a little time here. All of your strength, that's your iskus, that's your strength or your power. Iskus is power, might, force, ability. There's a scholar named Vincent, he said the radical idea of iskus, might, um, might, is that indwelling strength, especially as embodied. Might, which in here, I'm talking about might, with all of your might, which inheres in physical powers organized and working under individual direction as an army. When we say that, when, when God said in the beginning of creation that man is supposed to have dominion, you remember when Jesus told them that they were to come out, why didn't they just calm the seas? Do you know that you really have power over the elements too? Has anybody ever tried that? Thank you. Try it. Some of y'all think I am a fool. But try it. I've done it before. Told the rain to stop raining. And it stopped. Y'all like, okay, what she got going on here? <laughs> Say, some of y'all don't want to admit it. And so you're looking at me like, <laughs> told the wind to stop blowing, and all of a sudden, you're like, what is that freaky stuff? And then you told yourself it really didn't happen. Mm. Okay, we'll say that, make you feel better. Oh, that's a coincidence. First of all, do you not believe that there are a, a bunch of other people in your area agreeing with you that the rain was going to stop? 
and you a problem, now you need to stop. God, I'm tired of this rain and weather. You're the only one that actually said, you know what, I'm gonna try it. <laughs> and you went out onto your porch and you said, you know what, rain, peace be still. Like it was a joke, like we're gonna see if it happen. And then, <laughs> go back in your house. You ran back in your house, see? We're scared of stuff like that. We're unnerved by things like that. But we'll walk into our office and say, you know, I bleed the blood and all this good stuff. If it works, if it works this way, guess what? It works in that way too. You are still affecting the atmosphere. Don't let anybody tell you it's witchcraft. Go into your family gathering. I told y'all this before. Go into your family gathering and just walk in the house. You say, you had told yourself, I'm not coming to any more family gatherings. Because it's too much drama, it's too much foolishness. Walk in the room and just say, peace be still. Wait until everybody starts fussing and fighting and just stand in the middle of the room and say, peace be still. If only because they're looking at you like you're crazy. <laughs> I bet they're going to shut up. <laughs> Whatever, however it translates to you. Whatever it means to you. And you, you hush, didn't you? Now you can talk about me and talk about how crazy I am, whatever, but nobody's fighting anymore. However it shows up. Let's get back to this. You have power. You have power. You have power. And it's in within you. Why I need for you to know this? Why do I need for you to know this? Kratos is exercise strength, whereas Iskus refers to a great inherent strength. Iskus is the person who who, the man who works out, who have these big, huge muscles, and he knows he has the power even though he doesn't exercise it. Iskus is the person who's a second degree black belt in martial arts, and he knows he has the power, but he doesn't exercise it, okay? Do you know that there's a level of confidence in knowing that you can handle yourself even if you don't do anything? There's a level of power that exudes from somebody who knows what they're capable of even if they don't utilize it. You've been in the presence of people who walk into a room and they just exude a certain dominion or a certain power. There are people, young people, listen to me. Teacher walks into the room. Y'all are cutting up, don't care. She's already giving y'all dominion. Principal walks in the room. Don't have to say anything. Just actually just sitting in there. I don't know, y'all kind of rowdy these days, but when we were younger, <laughs> Y'all kind of cuckoo these days, but you know, when we were younger, the teacher could have lost control, but let the assistant principal or the principal walk in just to observe. And thank you, Ivy. Thank you, Ivy. Because you know, even if they don't say anything, they have the power to shift the whole atmosphere of their classroom. I'm going somewhere with this. Do you love God, love God with all your strength? With all my strength, I take my strength, my might, that seriously. At Bible study, I mean, uh, at 9MPH on Wednesday night, I remember uh, saying, saying that taking, uh, taking as much focus on the faith life too. Not just the natural, but the faith life as well to strengthen that muscle in times when you need that, okay? Your strength, your might, it refers to a dynamically spiritual living force. 
energetic, inherent in God. That's the God side of you, y'all. The power, the might, it has been given to you by God, bestowed on you as a believer. And the reason why I need you to get this, Paul has said, I'm praying that your eyes will be open, that you will be enlightened, that you will understand this. The exceeding greatness of his power, because it's in you. It's in you. It's because it's that strength that is in your possession and your ability. And, or you might think of it as God's latent power. It's the capability to function effectively. God is able. Because God is able, you are able. It's already within you. It's already within you. It's already within you. And you see, it's so quickening. It's so irresistible, y'all. The reason why I feel as though there are a lot of people who get so close to a certain level and degree of understanding and then shrink back because you can't unknow something once you know it. There's a magnetism about the kingdom. Come on, help me, Holy Ghost. There's a magnetism about the kingdom that you can't resist. Once you plug in, once you plug in to the source, you can't resist it. And you all know this. You, uh, Those of you who have plugged in and who have a different relationship with God and spirit, you cannot walk by anybody in need anymore. I'm not saying and not give, but not be, check your spirit. God, what do you want me to do? You're having conversations now that you weren't having with God before. You're in line of a grocery store now. And I mean, I, I, this was me, this was me. I was at Kroger over on Forest Drive and there was an older lady that was, I'm two people behind. I, that's not even my program. I don't know why I'm there. I'm just there because I was in the area. I'm trying to hit all these different places at the same time. Uh, um, while I was at Trader Joe's, I'm at Kroger. I'm like, okay, I'm so in line. And I don't know why I picked this line. I'll say I don't know why. But there's two ladies in front of me. And it looked as though it was, it was like an older, really old couple. And it looked as though she was getting ready to have to put something back. And I already checked in my spirit. Okay, God, what do you want me to do? She worked it out, but I was already ready. If she looked like she was going to tell the cashier, well, I won't be able to. I was going to step in right there. I don't know what account it was going to come from. It didn't even matter. God would have told me which card to give or whatever. I had already checked in. I had already connected with this lady. What? I don't want one of my elders embarrassed at the cashier. I don't want her. I don't want, that to I don't want her to have that experience. I know how it feels to be in lack. You know, I know that embarrassment from another time in my life when I had to put something back because I didn't have enough money for it. I didn't want that for my elder. I really, I really respect elders. I really, I don't want them to have that. They work too hard to be embarrassed in public or whatever. And so I didn't want that. Nor did I want her to have to put anything back. If you needed that, she needed it. And so God, I already checked out. God, what do you want me to do? I'm ready. I can't say I've always been in that place. When I was 17 years old and I was selfish and I just wanted to survive for myself, I can't say that I was thinking that far ahead. Wouldn't even pay attention to that lady. Probably wouldn't even know she was there. Just waiting, come on, what's taking so long? You know, that might have been me. What's taking so long? Why's she taking so long? Whatever. But there was a power within me now that compels me. That compels me. Uh, I wanted to point out to you Oh, goodness gracious, I lost my place, y'all. I'm sorry, I got caught up in that story because you, if there is a magnetism with the kingdom. It's in the power is irresistible. 
All the soldiers and the high priest couldn't keep the body of Christ in the tomb. Death could not hold Jesus in his chains or his bonds. Even thus irresistible is the power put forth in a believer when he is raised to newness of life. I can't unsee needs anymore. I can't pretend anymore. No sin, no corruption. These, these scriptures now make a whole lot of sense. No devil in hell, no sinner on earth can stand the hand of God's grace when it, it, it intends to convert a man. If God, omnipotent God, says thou shalt, man shall not say I will not. You just can't even say no to God anymore without it messing with you. There's a power, there's a magnetism. Let's keep going. Verse 27, he answered, you shall love the Lord your God with all your heart, with all your soul, with all your strength, and with all your mind. Deanonia, Deanonia, understanding, intellect, mind, your mind, your disposition, your thought, understanding, more so your reasoning. That word, Deanonia, literally means through thorough reasoning. It incorporates, let me read this from the Greek, incorporates both sides of the matter to reach a meaningful conclusion. Such full breath reasoning is essential to loving the Lord and our neighbor. It is also the instrument of self-destruction when exercised without God's light and power. Do I love God with my reasoning as well? What does that mean? Do I surrender my reasoning? Remember it says, under, uh, lean not unto your own understanding. Do I surrender my reasoning to God? Y'all have to say yes for the majority of people in this room. Because you had to do things that, that simply made no sense to you. And you've had to do things that you know made perfect sense in the grand scheme of the kingdom or the scope of the kingdom and of God. Do I love the Lord God with all of my understanding, all of my reasoning? This morning we were in intercession. In intercession, we were um, praying, healing, and then also understanding that we're at a place right now that we are even seeking God on what's the meaning of the thing that caused the harm in the first place. My whole reasoning has been changed. When something happens, I don't just go, "Well, why me? I don't understand why that happened." Whatever, I'll ask, "Okay, God, what am I supposed to take from this?" Does that mean I receive everything? No, that's not necessarily what I'm saying. But my reasoning is even surrendered to God. I even know that everything that God is bringing to me, there's a reasoning for it, there's an understanding for it, even if I don't get it right now. Now, as I've defined all of these words for you, I want to move into the story here, the parable here. Y'all, the people of antiquity, were much more aware of their spiritual identity than we are today, y'all. This is the middle of the series Reset. We're working on the mind right now. The people of antiquity, I'll say that again, were much more aware of their spiritual identity than we are today. Religion was introduced and made God and spirit external. Jesus came and attempted to abolish religion and reconnect us with God. I say attempted. You might say, well, how God does it. Jesus did a perfect work. Well, then religion wouldn't have come back. Jesus came and attempted to abolish religion and reconnect or remember the people to the spirit of God within. Waymakers, y'all pause for a second. For those of you who are tuning in for the first time, let me break that down because it's become common for y'all now. Remember. 
We are all members of one body. We are all connected as God, in God, to God. But at some point in history and at some point in our lives, there was a disconnect. Some people will say, oh, we were lost. Uh, we were dead in Christ and, and we got to get saved and, and whatnot. And so we, we, the, the salvation will, uh, will bring us into the knowledge of God. You already know God. That's why when you talk to certain people and you want to get them saved, they're offended. They're offended by your old school evangelism because it's a song. You're assuming that I don't know God just because I don't, I, I don't subscribe to your religion in your church. That's insulting. I know God. People tell you all the time, I know God. I just don't do organized religion. Oh, but you got to get saved. You got to get saved. You got to get saved. Or you won't, you won't go to hell or whatever. Y'all, you're talking to people who already been through hell. Jesus didn't come to convert anybody. Oh, y'all don't throw, oh, people just locked off. <laughs> he came to reconnect them with God, to show them who they were. To, re to cause them to remember. Because at some point we forgot who we were. Y'all know when you were little, and in your purest sense, you were spiritual. You were spiritual. You saw things, you knew things, you felt things. You may not remember it. One, two, three, four years old. They would say that you could, you could see things and know things, and they say you're closer to God because you just came from non-physical. And then we're taught religion. And religion puts God way out there and us over here and tells us how undeserving we are and, and how God doesn't like what we're doing and this and that, whatever. And it, we forget. And so what Christ came to do is re help us remember, help us come back into member, into membership with God within us. So with this knowledge, you can now see that the people of antiquity understood that they were of God. So the regard that they have towards God was the regard that they had towards themselves. They knew that they were spiritual beings. They knew that they were children of God, connected to God, of God. Now, keeping this, this frame of mind, a frame of reference, it would have been redundant for Jesus to say, love God, love yourself, and love your neighbor as yourself. Did you notice he didn't say anything at all about loving yourself? That's because it was already understood in your love of the God in you. When I'm teaching, I often tell people, first of all, you've got to suspend 21st century understanding. We subscribe to a faith that is of a time period none of us have lived in, in a place that unless you're military, you likely have never been, and unless you are bilingual, multilingual, in a language you don't know. A lot of these languages are ancient, and so they're not even uh, spoken anymore. So you can't put it in 21st century American uh, 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 context. These people knew who they were. They, spirituality, the supernatural, was a regular part of their lives. You can't have done things, uh, seen things, or witnessed things like the parting of the Nile. You can't not have uh, things like having a snake to, from a rod and all of this, and not that's just a common part of who that what their life was. We don't acknowledge the supernatural so much nowadays, so this seems odd to us. So they knew who they were. 
So he didn't have to mention love God, love yourself. They knew that loving God, loving God was also loving themselves. I'm not being blasphemous. Those with an ear, let them hear. He answered, you shall love the Lord your God with all of your heart, with all of your soul, with all your strength, with all your mind, and your neighbor as yourself. Y'all, the issue back then, the issue back then was actually selfishness. Not what we deal with today. The issue back then, they were so self-focused and self-loving that they didn't make room for other people. I take such good care of myself, now I need to extend it to my neighbor? Now we've gotten to a point in present day Christianity where we take better care of the neighbor than we do ourselves. So me coming to you and telling you, no, 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 you, you got it backwards, it doesn't feel right. Me coming to you and telling you that you've got it backwards because we've been taught, we've been told to put other people ahead of ourselves. Uh, uh, better to give than to, yeah, to, to give than receive it. All of those concepts are true, but they were told and taught during a time period when everything was counter to the way it is now. Y'all know self-care is now the new thing. We're having to teach ourselves to take care of ourselves. They automatically did that in those days. I told y'all, I talked y'all about the feasts and the celebrations and all of the things that they would do. They had bathhouses, they had all the perfumes, they, had, they took good care of themselves. You hear me? They celebrated births, they celebrated deaths, they celebrated uh, coming of age, they celebrated this, they celebrated harvest. They, I mean, self-love was all over the place. They had servants that took care of their hair. They had servants that took care of their, they took care, they ate well. Their lifestyle is actually foreign to us. Self-love was inherent. Love others was the new concept. That's why the lawyer got offended. Verse 29 said, but wanting to justify himself, he asked Jesus, who is my neighbor? He's not taking pretty good care of myself. Who is my neighbor? Who, in other words, who is qualified to receive this level and magnitude of love from me? I make sure that I eat well. And so now you're telling me that I gotta feed other people to the level that I eat? I make sure, but the people that pastors, mm-hmm. Y'all know there was a, a guiding principle in our outreach ministry that we don't feed anybody on the streets anything we wouldn't eat. Even if we didn't take a plate, I'm not going to feed you something subpar. If I wouldn't have it at my table, barring dietary restrictions, then I'm not going to give it to you. If it's not good enough for me, it's not good enough for you. I treat you the way I treat myself. Okay? So this was a new concept to them. So I'm supposed to have a feast for, I would have a feast for myself and my family, so I'm supposed to have a feast for them too? Y'all, this was new to them. It's not new to you all because you're used to treating people better than, than and considering people above yourself. But it had gotten too far with them. I'm pointing this out to you for a reason. I'm going somewhere. I'm going somewhere. The scripture says, and your neighbor as yourself. I'm preaching right now to people who have devalued themselves for too long. For too long, for too long. I believe that I know that, that this must have been a very academic, a very heady uh, uh, sermon in the beginning. But I'm praying that all the pieces fall in place and in, together because 
I see from the people in the room and those who are tuning in, I know that you're doing some self work. You're doing transformative work and you're learning how to see yourself finally. You've served everybody else to the point where you're tired. And now I'm using the last bit of strength that I have left to feed myself, to care for myself. Y'all, you teach people how to treat you. Y'all know that's a common, common phrase now. You teach people how to treat you. You teach people how to treat your kids. Teach, you treat your kids like trash, then guess what? Don't get mad when people treat your kids like trash. You taught them how to do it. You, treat people, you teach people how to treat your parents. So kids, we ain't just talking about you all either now. You teach people how to treat your parents. You disrespect your parents, then you can't get mad when your friends disrespect your parents when they visit. Or you can't get mad when your, your, your friends show more respect to your parents than you do. That's the worst feeling in the world. When your, when your friends upstage you to your parents. Okay? Because that can happen too. I've had friends that treated their parents like trash and I was about to deck them in the throat. My mama died when I was 10. I wish I, I wish she was here. And you talking to your mama like that? We about to go outside and fight right now. We about to go outside and fight right now. Seriously. Seriously. But you can't get mad if over time, your friends start treating your mama the way you treat your mama. You teach people how to treat your community. Hence, we have all the, the, the fighting when it comes to people saying, how can you say uh, uh, we need to treat your community different when y'all treat it this way? We need to clean up y'all streets because y'all don't even clean up your streets. <laughs> I'm only doing what y'all used to. Far be it from me to change what you're accustomed to. You treat people how to treat your church. You teach people how to treat your church. better 
than I treat myself. Oh, goodness. You may have lost two more people then. Mm. You've been doing it backwards. You've been doing it back. I'm going to tell you what Jesus said. I'm not talking about Paul. I'm not talking about Old Testament. Jesus is the living word, right? Jesus is the logos, right? So we go by what Jesus says.
fullness of saying. Can I look at you? Can I be around you for a few days and see your entire identity? Or as much as you've, you've gotten to, you know? Do I get to see all sides? I'm not just talking about the intimate stuff or the private stuff. Or I'm talking about, do I get a sense of who you are? Or am I always left with this feeling that you're holding back something? Which makes me not trust you. Mm, I don't know. That's, that seems like there's a little bit more to you than that. And it's not always sinister. It's, I see the greatness, but you're holding it in. Are you loving yourself with your full identity? If you want to come in here in a tutu and some combat boots, do you feel free enough to be you no matter what? Do you love the, your identity? There's some people who, who need to do some work on loving our full identity. The size of your, your nips, <laughs> if that's on my post on my mat, the size of your lips, the length of your hair, the color of your skin, your height, your weight. Do I love my full identity and begin to appreciate why God made me this way? My God, y'all, we got a lot of work to do. Because if I don't love me, if I don't love my full identity, then I definitely should not be affirming you yet. Seriously. Y'all, there are people. There are people who will affirm an attribute in somebody else and hate it in them. Dark skin. Oh, honey, your skin is just beautiful. It's glistening. It's glowing. It's so deep and rich. And secretly hate yours. That's just one thing. You've not found the love of self in your body type, in your mind. Tell a child that, you know, you, you're so smart, but you hate it that you're a nerd. Because then now you're, now you're being disingenuous. How can you affirm somebody else for an attribute that you can't stand or you haven't learned to love in yourself yet? You need to pause, pump the brakes for a minute and learn how to love yourself and appreciate yourself. First, y'all, we got a lot of work to do. We got a lot of work to do. And it's okay. This is the season for it. While the world is still semi-shut down, you better be doing yourself work. This is the perfect time to do it. This is a perfect time to do it. Do you, still testing you, do you love yourself with all of your strength? All of your power, are you doing everything within your power to appreciate, enrich, grow, transform, heal yourself? Because you have the ability to do it. You have the ability to do it. Are you doing everything within your strength to heal yourself? If I love, if I, if I acknowledge that God is in me, and I say I'm going to love God with all my strength, and that means I'm going to love myself with all my strength. Have you ever met somebody love that ain't even trying? They're not even trying. They're not even trying. They say they want more out of life, but they're not even trying. You tell them, well, go back to school. Oh, I don't feel good about it. Well, get a makeover. Oh, well, I'm tired of being alone. Are you going to a place where you can meet somebody? Oh, <laughs> 
not trying. You're not using all of your strength. You're not loving yourself with all of your power. And see, that's when we get messed up. We have so many people who are so dependent on the external God because they're not tapped into the internal God. The Bible also tells us not to, to, to wait to stand when you've done all you can do. Once you've done all you can do, then stand. A lot of people are standing before they've done anything. Standing before you've done anything. I wish Andrew would try to come to me and ask me to buy something for him. And he's unemployed. What? <laughs> Have you done all you can do? <laughs> to get a job? Cut some grass? Do, do some, some lift or do something to earn the money. Now, if you've done all of that and you fall short, I'm here for you. Amen. If you've done all you can do and you fall short, God is right there. But there are so many people who are waiting in the prayer line or in their closet, waiting for God to show up and there's nothing happening and they're mad and they're confused and they're on the verge of losing their faith because somebody didn't teach them the word. Once you've done all you can do, once you've loved the Lord, once you've loved yourself with all your strength, with all your power, you got power just sitting there that's not even working. You're not even using it. I wish I was that latent power, like I said, about the, the muscular man who doesn't necessarily use it. I wish I would come into this church one day when we're having, y'all know we have to move all the chairs and we're lifting and, and moving everything. And some muscle-bound man, or woman, is sitting over in the corner, <laughs> letting us all just work and slave, whatever. And I, are you serious? Dude, you got the power, ma'am, sir, whatever. You got the power to take out three of these rules at one time. You just sit there. I'm just going to pray that God's going to move the road. You don't get your butt up and move those roads. <laughs> but that's what we do. You're praying for things that are within your power. Use it. Use it. Use it. Use your mind. Use your power. Use that law of attraction that you have. There are some of you who are so caught up with defeat and self-doubt that you don't even realize if you just walk into a space, you will get the job. You just walk into the space. Whoever it is that you placed on your list, who you want to be your boo, will notice you. But you want to walk into the space. You want to walk into the space. You got to do something. You have the power. It's just going to come to you. I need some people that understand you have such an energetic pull within you. It's like a magnet. Things will just attract to you, but you're going to have to put yourself out there and do something in order to get it to come to you. Amen. It's not going to come to you in your bed, in your room. It's not going to come to you hiding behind somebody else's greatness. My God, I don't know. What did they say? I don't know who that's for. <laughs> Maybe it's somebody on the podcast. Do you love yourself with all of your understanding? All of your understanding. I want to ask you, do you even know yourself? You need to love your Lord God with all your heart, soul, strength, and mind. 
Do you even know yourself? Do you know your God self? Do you know your, your fleshly self? Do you know yourself? Have you taken the time to learn yourself? Y'all, I want you to know yourself so well. So well. Know your God. Know the God in you and yourself so well. That you can walk into a situation and evaluate almost immediately whether or not the situation is for you or not for you. Based on how well you know yourself. I've used this example before and I'm going to use it again. You walk into a situation, because you know how we are, we like to be vague sometimes as believers. I don't know, it's something about them. I just don't, I, something was off in my spirit. <laughs> something off in my spirit. No, you don't like liars. And the first two statements out of that person's mouth was a lie. You picked up on it and so you already know we ain't going to be cool. I need you to know yourself so well. I don't like boundary crossers. I don't like boundary crossers. So even within five minutes of meeting, this person has already tried to impose themselves onto my lunch. We're not going to be cool. But we'll say, there's something that rubbed me the wrong way about it. And let it play out for three months. Because you don't know yourself. You don't know yourself. You haven't spent enough time with yourself to go through the check boxes and realize this is true for me. This came from my childhood. This is how I was raised. This is what I got from my spirituality. This is this, this, this is me in this season. And I'm open to change. Right now, in this season, you may not have a lot of patience. You need to know that about yourself. Especially in a year of transformation. And you're, you're working on boundaries and you're healing, whatever. You don't have time for a lot of foolishness. And therefore, therefore, you, can, you might come off a little impatient. You need to know that about yourself. So that you don't find yourself in certain situations. You're like, oh, that's what it was. No, you already should have known that about yourself before you sign up for a thing that's going to move too slowly for you. Because right now, you might be on a quick pace. Somebody prophesied over you or something was said that you feel as though, I need to stay on the pulse. Of, I don't know who this is for, but I need to stay on the pulse. I need to be flexible. I got to be willing to be able to move. I can't be locked in to a commitment of some sort, a commitment of some sort that will lock you down, that will keep you uh, like a, being like an anchor. Because after a while, it's going to feel like an albatross. And you'll just end up resenting it. I don't know if it's a job, a relationship, a, a, a commitment of some sort, even if it's to family. Even a verbal commitment that may... Because y'all know sometimes we make verbal covenant commitments with people that may never be pulled on, but you always kind of have to consider it. I've used this example before in the past. How many of you all have considered other people before yourself, even down to the purchases that you make? Some of y'all have bought cars of certain capacities just in case somebody needed to borrow it, somebody needed a ride. You got one kid and you driving around a whole minivan. Just in case somebody needs to haul all these people. Some of y'all bought, some people, just online, bought a truck, a pickup truck. Just in case somebody needs to move and needs to borrow it. You didn't want that pickup truck. 
two-seater. And you didn't care if you couldn't ride everybody in the car. Some of us have bought houses when we were in the housing market, considering visitors or somebody who might just need a place to stay. And you're overextending yourself. That's not even the house you wanted. But you got to get an extra two extra rooms just to engage somebody else. And somebody will say, well, Pastor, you're teaching people not how to have a good heart. No, I'm trying to teach people not to be resentful. Because when that mortgage payment hits every month, and that house, that room that you spend the money to furnish and nobody's sleeping in, and you bought the whole house with the intention that people were going to be staying over all the time and COVID hit, and, and, and nobody can come over now. <laughs> And then after COVID lifts, you're still going to be kind of funny for a while. Are you loving yourself with understanding? I know me. I'm a visionary, y'all, so I can see a way ahead how things might turn out. I'm already, if I'm already compromising myself, my personality, and my desires, then I know I might be a little bitter <laughs> in a couple of years. So let's not begin this whole friendship or relationship or whatever because it might not end well because I know me. I know me. Y'all think I'm joking half the time. I know. No, y'all know me. That's why I say I don't, I don't let people get too close. Because I know me. I'm busy. I'm busy. And I can't carry. I can, this is me talking. This is not an example. Hear me and hear me well. <laughs> I can't carry high maintenance relationships. That's my truth. That's my truth. I, it's taken me a while to realize that and admit it and be able to say it publicly and not care how I'm judged. I can't handle high maintenance because I'm too busy and I will forget. If you make an appointment with me, if it doesn't go in my phone on the calendar right then, it didn't happen. It's not going to happen because I'm going to forget. I don't need your amen. <laughs> but she's right about it. You've come to know me. If I don't put it on my, you'll see me put it on my calendar. It's not going to happen. You will show up or you will wait for the call and I will not be there. I love you. I mean well, but I'm too busy. I'm not going to call you every day. We're not going to hang out every week. Those are just not relationships that I have in my life. I know myself. So I know myself not well enough not to enter into those kinds of agreements of relationship with people. That might hurt some people's feelings, but it's that clear cut. You know where you stand. We got to get to that point where you know yourself that way so that you only enter into certain things my wife don't like salespeople. okay we don't put her in situations where she's going to be sold not even offered <laughs> now some people like say i'm not selling this off i'm educating you and she only want to educate leave her alone talk to me <laughs> and i will present it to her she knows herself feel how you want to feel about it but you got to be true. Do you, know your, do you love yourself with understanding? So now all these things considered, Jesus is telling them to love their neighbors as themselves. But the Samaritan. Because this story appears more than this in Luke. In Luke, we talk about the priest. And another story as the Levite. So we know the Levites are the worshipers. The priest, obviously, uh, represents the, 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 the scholarly leaders uh, of, the, um, of the Israelites. By law, by Mosaic law, they could not go near someone who was bleeding. It was unclean. 
They could not go near. So it wasn't wrong, whether it was a Levite in one story or the priest in another story. They were not wrong. They were law-abiding people. They did not go near them. They near him on the street. But the Samaritan, the scripture said, but a Samaritan. Y'all know the Samaritans were considered a lower class of people by the Israelite people. They were considered already unclean. You know, they were already unworthy. They were second class citizens. And this Samaritan though, God, Jesus, I love Jesus because he levels the playing field as much as he possibly can. He uses Samaritans more than one time to show us that it's actually the, the elite people are the ones who are not going to get it. And the common folk are the ones who are going to understand and receive the kingdom better than and before anybody else. So a Samaritan, while traveling, came near him. See, the Samaritan, and I need for, for the, the 21st century believer, I need the way, the people who follow the way and not just religion, to hear me. The Samaritan was not under their law. Catch that? Did you catch that? The Samaritan was not under their law. No different than Jesus has said, I came to fulfill the law. You are no longer under the Mosaic law. He came near him. There was nothing that kept him. And when he saw him, he was moved with pity to be moved in the inward parts, to feel compassion. He went to him and bandaged his wounds and he poured oil and wine on them. The wine acted as an antiseptic and a disinfectant and the oil acted as a healing agent. So he took healing measures. He didn't wait to take him to some place. He began to work on him right then to heal his wounds. This is the demonstration of love. I'm not going to do anything more to you than I wouldn't do for myself. There are some of you all who will go to great lengths to somebody else but won't do it for yourself. Then he put him on his animal, brought him to an inn, and took care of him. The next day he took out two denarii. Y'all remember, a denarii was a whole day's wage. He took out two days' wages. Think about what you make right now in one day, times two. And he left that at the innkeeper, with the innkeeper to take care of that man. Think about it. Do the math. What you make in a day before taxes, times two, out the gate, stranger left it with the innkeeper and said, now take care of him. He invested in the man. When's the last time you invested in yourself? I'm talking about what you willingly do for somebody else that you're not doing for somebody. See, in Jesus, like I said, we're, we're, we're flipping it because Jesus already understood that these people were taking care of themselves. We've gotten to a place in life now where we don't take care of ourselves first and take care of other people. When's the last time you invested in yourself? Take care of him and when I come back, I will repay you whatever more you spend, i.e. whatever it takes. When's the last time you told yourself, I'm gonna enter therapy, I'm gonna invest in myself. And if it gets to the end of my EAP, IAP gives us six sessions. If it gets to the end of six, and I still need seven, eight, nine, will I come, you know what, keep going and I will pay whatever it takes. Whatever it takes to get my healing. Whatever it takes. When the last time you made that kind of covenant commitment to yourself? You will tell somebody else, I'm down with you like four flags. I'm here to the end of it. But have you made that commitment to yourself? Are you as loyal to yourself as you are to everybody else? 
My God, my God. The innkeeper, the Samaritan gave him, he invested in that man's healing. And he said, whatever else it takes, when I get back, he went back, made more money, and then came back and paid the bill to make sure that the man got whatever he needed. When the last time you invested in the knowledge that you need, in the mentorship that you need, and you say, no, if it gets to the end of my current means, I'm, gonna get, I'm still going to do whatever it takes. If I need to make an extra, extra money, when's the last time you took on a second job just to make sure that you got your healing, your opportunity, your springboard, your capital for your business? I'm not saying go out and get a second job. I'm saying, will you go the distance for yourself? My God. My God. Y'all, self-care was already assumed back in those days, and we've gotten away from that. He said, love your neighbor as you love yourself. And there's so many of us who realize that I haven't loved myself nearly as much as I've loved my child, my spouse, my mama, my daddy, my job, my community. You give your job 8 to 10 to 12 hours, sometimes 16 hours a day. When's the last time you've given yourself a full, uninterrupted 8 hours? I'm not even going to push y'all to 12 or 16. That's be ridiculous. For some of y'all, that would be ridiculous. That would be a waste of time. What am I supposed to do? You. <laughs> you. You'd be a much happier person. A much less bitter person. I'm always doing that. I thought you did try to good in your heart. Maybe it's because your tank, your love tank is empty. And you're pouring from an empty cup. You're supposed to be an overflow, remember? That's the mandate on the believer. You pour from overflow. Not from within the cup. Remember the saucer. That's what y'all man said. Say you pour from the saucer. You feed everybody else from the saucer. And therefore it has to be overflowing before it gets to the saucer. My God. When's the last time you dropped everything for you and not just your kids' project because they wait to the last minute? Remember the last time parents that they had something due the next day? And you had to drop everything in order to. Maybe you stopped doing that recently, but there was a time when they were 18, 12, or whatever, where you dropped everything to go get what they needed. But when it comes to you, if you realize that there was something that you wanted to do for yourself, but it's 8 o'clock, you know, well, you know, and I just, you know, you could have run to the store to get whatever that thing is that you wanted to get. But you won't do it for yourself. But let your child walk in the room and say, I got a project. I need my materials. You'll, but you'll get in the car. <laughs> I'm talking to myself. You hear me? Oh. My wife is bad about that. You know what she'll say? Do you want me to go get it? No, no, no. It's fine. It's too late. <laughs> why not? Why am I not? Why, why, why are we not important enough to drop everything we're doing? For us. Why do we have to wait until we're about to burn out before we say, okay, now I'm going to, and then you got to do it mad. Sick and tired of everybody taking, taking precedent over me. I'm so sick and tired of what They didn't have to. You put them there. Y'all, we got to return our value. I've said this before and I'm going to say it again. If you don't set your price, someone else will determine your value. And some of us are selling ourselves short. And you can't blame anybody else. If you don't set your price, someone else will determine your 
value. Someone else will return your value. Teach people how to treat you by learning how and raising the standards for yourself. Once you say you love God and you realize that God is within you and God sets the course of your life, then you have got to return to a state of sacredness with your life and your decisions. You say, I love God. I recognize that God is guiding the decisions in my life. God is guiding everything that happens to me. I must learn how to, if I don't know how to, listen to my divine guidance system. Okay? I've got to learn how to adhere to it. Because I say that I trust God. I say that I love God. I love God with my heart intentionally. I love God with my might, my all my strength and my power. I love God with, with my mind. I love God with my soul, my psyche. I love God with every ounce of my being that I must adhere to and respect when God speaks to me, through me, about me. Even as I still operate and live in this world. And then I gotta take that and just once I've done my work, now I gotta learn how to love other people that same way. What does that look like? What does that look like? I gotta be committed to their well-being as well. That means being honest with them sometimes. Excuse me, all the time. And some and sometimes that honesty gonna hurt. That means I can't be their savior. All the time. There'll be times when God's going to use you to intervene on his behalf because God uses the natural as well as the spiritual. God will whisper in your ear and say, go and talk to that person. Go give that person $100. Go buy that person groceries. Go give that person opportunity. Go be the first reviewer for that person. Go give them, do whatever. Just pray for whatever. Yeah, God will use you in those ways, but God will also restrain you and get you out of the way so that God can do a work too. That's love too. Love is also letting people be with God. I got to love you with the same, with, with reasoning. I got to love you with understanding. I got to love you with power and strength. I got to love you with my soul. I got to love you with my heart. But before I do that, I got to learn how to do it to myself. Y'all, that would save a whole lot of relationships. That would save a whole lot of work environments. That would save a lot of churches. That would save a lot of families. The people learn how to love themselves. You know, you got mad. You get mad at that one family member that has high standards for themselves. Call them bougie. Call them better than. Call them whatever. You can call them what you want, but you, what you won't call them is unfulfilled. There's power in standards. There's power, there's power in boundaries because people will uphold whatever standards you have for yourself. And if they won't, then they're not your people. 